Sex is one of humanity's greatest sources of pleasure. So why is it still shrouded in guilt, shame, and misunderstanding? Welcome to Are You Available? I'm your host, Lana Jade, sex worker turned counselor and sexual educator. And I'm here to unpack some of those issues that have come to light from my time in the adult industry. Hey there, and welcome to Are You Available? This is episode number four, and thank you so much for joining me today. So today we are continuing our conversation around assumptions on the adult industry. We started this in episode number two, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, maybe there's a good place to start. If not, you can jump straight in. It'll all make sense anyway. So I had asked Instagram some of the common assumptions around the adult industry. There was a pretty strong, you know, pretty strong grain of thought that ran through the questions. So I've picked out those main ones and I'm unpacking them for you today. So let's jump straight into it. Number 10, money is easy come, easy go. Sex workers waste their earnings. Again, this is another one at the same sort of grain as before. It's really annoying um, that it's looked down upon if a sex worker spends their money quickly when a great majority of society does just that. (laughs) Most people are living off borrowed money regardless of their income status and spend money just as quickly as it comes. It's only a small percentage that have the financial literacy to put their money to work for them and spend their money in a more educated sense. Um, so the thing I find though, which people never seem to want to consider is that it's actually pretty rare for sex workers living off borrowed money, which I said before, I personally don't know a very big number of workers who use credit cards or get loans other than to uh, buy a house. They, you know, the majority of workers I know don't buy something until they've saved the money to purchase it, which is pretty much the opposite of generally everybody else. (laughs) When I was buying a car, I bought my car outright, like a brand new car, and people found it so perplexing that I did that, that I waited until I had enough money to purchase a car without getting a car loan. And then (laughs) when I had that, people asked me what kind of car I bought. And I, I said, a Suzuki. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you buy a BMW? Why wouldn't you buy a Mercedes? And I'm like, <laughs> why would I, you know? Like, why would I spend that money on a car when I don't own a house? <laughs> but those weren't sex workers asking me that. They were people that weren't in the industry. So I found it a really fascinating way, We, you know, the different ways people look at money and what you should own and what is you know what is appropriate for you to lend money for and the perception that you are supposed to maintain if you're earning you know a reasonably high income like it was just a, an assumption that I should have a BMW or one of those kind of cars when I have no value in like I find no value in a car like if it gets me from A to B and it's reliable that's all I care about like I'm not going to spend a ridiculous amount of money on something that a, you know a $22,000 car can get me like what's the point? I don't have a house. I would rather save that money and put it into my house than, you know, waste it on a car that I don't care about. So to hear people say money come, like easy come, easy go, and that we don't spend it, 
uh, appropriately is kind of like a kick in the gut, you know, like I definitely think that I wasted a few years with easy come, easy go mentality. I worked from, I, I, I spent a lot of time changing my mentality and changing my behavior around money because I didn't know how to use it. And I always, yeah, you know, coming from, I guess, a disadvantaged background in a lot of ways, like yeah, well, definitely a disadvantage in a lot of ways. And having parents that had such, well, my mum had very, you know, really struggled with money and my dad was really controlling. So there was a lot there that was really hard for me to unlearn. And I spent a few years where I definitely wasted my money. And I regret that if I had have had the education earlier on, it wouldn't have happened potentially, or maybe it would, I don't know. But I am no different, but I'm no different to anybody else. But also, I did the same thing with my other jobs. It's not like this was learnt behavior when I started sex work. This was behavior that I had carried on from as I was growing up. Whenever I had money, I didn't know how to use it. The money was bigger, like I earned more money in this industry, but I was I was treating it exactly the same way as I always had. So... This isn't a sex worker exclusive statement. It's a, It's really, it's an observation of society or a good majority of society that hasn't come from a background where they're taught the skills to not, ha- not live week to week, not to spend all their money. So, yeah, interesting. But that's only talking about the negative side of, of where I've come from and, and you know, and the lacking of knowledge of other workers. But on the flip side of that, I know just as many sex workers that have incredible investments in multiple homes that have invested in other careers and other businesses. So it's absolutely not a reflection of anybody's, of, you know, sex workers in money skills at all. <laughs> that perception is such a very narrow-minded one and stigmatizing, obviously. But again, another thing to consider is that there are many survival workers where they're earning to survive, literally just to survive. So putting blanket statements like that is also really damaging for them because there's this perception that they should be something else and they are, well, like there is with any perception of sex workers really. And you know, there's people just doing it to make a freaking living because that's what work is for. We don't have to be spending our money in any way, just like you don't have to be spending your money in a certain way either. Like, who are you to judge, right? And not everybody wants the type of the type of career that leads to, you know, designer bags or whatever it is. Like, it's just, it's really not. And the fact that people think the money is easy come (laughs) makes me laugh too because I would love to say that it comes easily all the time, but it does not. We we have to work for it and we have to work really hard. Uh, It's big money in a short period of time, yeah, but it's not easy to get. And, yeah, so it is big money but it does not come easy either. <laughs> I should say it can be big money. It's not always big money, but it can be. The potential for it is there if you are marketing to that 
aspect of the of the industry. Uh, number 11, uh, sex workers utilize more than the average in alcohol and drugs. I, I feel like we're going round and round in circles with this. Um, I'd like to know what the average is or like what they're comparing it to. <laughs> Again, this is really complex and I wanted to do an actual whole episode on drugs and alcohol and things like that. But I, like I said before, it's not people, it's not people working in the industry that create this environment where drugs and alcohol are used it's clients coming so because we are working and our job is to have fun then occasionally that means there'd be more drugs and alcohol in your normal job but not in comparison to people you know like say obviously you don't go to work as a doctor and you do drugs but like you might as a sex worker but in comparison to people you know, the party on the weekends or party through the week or people in hospitality, like who are you comparing it to? What are you comparing as the average? doesn't make sense. But again, because our clients are doctors and lawyers and other respected professionals that are using or bringing the drugs to use, it's it's okay that they're allowed to use them. But of course, if, if, if sex workers are using them, then that is what is just disgusting behavior to people, it seems. But, yeah, I'd really love to know what you're comparing it to. And then next one, it's emotionally draining having to be the right way for clients. Well, yeah, this one is pretty spot on. Uh, burnout in the industry is really prevalent and it's super real. Uh, factors that contribute to this are different for different parts of the industry, but I'll speak from my perspective. So I find the most emotionally drained, I'm the most emotionally drained when I'm working online and in person. But in either case, I'm always working. My mind is always on work, my income, working out why differences in business are taking place, how to fix them, speaking with people around the clock, really to ensure I'm doing what I can to not miss any income. It, it took me a long time to work out systems that stopped me feeling emotionally drained because it's not about being the right way with the clients in person. It's online. It's doing correspondence, dealing with time wasters and all of it especially with OnlyFans as well, I find it's, it's really draining because people that spend less money have higher expectations of you, which is so bizarre. They feel so entitled to so much time and effort. Like If someone paid $7.50 for a subscription, like so one day someone paid $7.50 for a subscription. And while I was sleeping, I got messages, which I didn't respond to. Obviously, I was asleep. <laughs> and then the following messages were just berating me angry at me because I hadn't responded to them and they deleted themselves from my account before I'd even woken up to see they had subscribed like it's just completely irrational but that's the kind of thing you're dealing with kind of constantly and so many different types of personalities and yeah, it's, it's a constant battle and flicking between different personas with online and in person and in marketing and all things. It just really takes a toll in a big way. Okay, number 13. Sex workers aren't able to enjoy sex with their partner because they are emotionally and physically drained. This plays on from the last one, really. But I actually feel that this is the opposite. So we're human. <laughs> You know, so with all humans, 
our libido ebbs and flows. However, I actually need more time and intimacy with my partner the busier I am. It's like I've depleted my cup of intimacy. I need it filled. I need my partner to help me fill that cup back up. It's I'm giving so much intimacy. It gets depleted. So like work is a performance, essentially. You're providing a service for someone else. While it can be physically enjoyable, it lacks the genuine desire and intimacy that you get in real life. So it doesn't take the place of sex in connection with your partner at all. I kind of liken it to how someone how some people view sex toys as threatening to their sex life (laughs) it's ridiculous like that also you know that aids intimacy and fun and all of the things that can actually increase your desire for sex the more you explore with yourself but in saying that like you've got to be realistic just like if somebody has done a 12-hour shift at work they're probably not going to feel like having sex right so if i've done maybe a six-hour psc booking and then i go home I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be physically exhausted. It's not because of the sex. It's because that was work, just like anybody else that's gone to work and had like a big shift. And sure, there's going to be bookings that trigger some sort of emotional response that leave you feeling withdrawn or whatever. But to assume it's every day, that's not true. (laughs) My partner doesn't keep up with my sex drive. And yet maybe some people feel differently and it's an individual thing like sex is an individual thing and that's what's so beautiful and so confusing for people because it's so individual and it ebbs and it flows, it's fluid, there's no real consistency among people or among ourselves and it changes with stress and all sorts of factors So the next one, that it's the most diverse industry in terms of backgrounds. I'm not sure if this person means in terms of workers or in terms of clients, but either way, yeah, I would totally agree. The diversity within the industry between workers and clients is incredible. That's something I really, really love about it. It's broadened my perspective so much and it's opened up my eyes to my own prejudices that I've had with not with race or anything like that, but just diversity within in like literally every way. That's what's so just absolutely amazing because you've got the opportunity to meet people that you haven't or wouldn't if you had just gone about your business normally. And you get to meet them in a way that is so intimate. And the opportunity of doing that really creates such such expansion of self. Every client is so different in every way from where they see, from why they see you to who they are and all of their circumstances around why they're booking you. Everything is so different and it's just... It's, it's like a humbling experience being able to meet people in this way and seeing them when they're so vulnerable and having them open up to you and speak about such oh, really, really intimate topics and really be honest with you. It's, yeah, I really, I really appreciate that I'm able to do this. It also gives us super interesting because <laughs> you've absolutely got no idea what's going to go down. Like, you don't know. I like to play a game where I, I try and guess who my client's going to be. Like, I'm trying to 
you know, pigeonhole them, I guess, in, by the name and how they talk to me. And I just try and get a feel of like a vibe for who, who it's going to be when I open the door. And it's, um, <laughs> it's fun game because it's always so different. Like you've got no idea and then people just blow your minds and hearing people's stories is just super cool. So the next one, number 17, that it's hard to tell family and friends who may judge or hold a prejudice. And yeah, it 100% is. This is a huge part of why the industry is so isolating. Uh, and it's pretty interesting how many people are cool with sex workers until they learn or until you tell them that you are one. <laughs> and then everything about it changes, like their facial expressions change, their demeanor, their energy towards you, their questions towards you. You can see them visibly judging you and trying to determine how they feel about it. It flashes across their face. Uh, and it's one of the first things someone will throw in your face if you're if you're having a disagreement or an argue with them about anything. You're just a whore, just a prostitute, <laughs> etc. They use it to degrade you and make you feel like nothing because their true opinion of you or a true opinion of the industry is just that it, that you're not worthy of uh, respect. So I lost a lot of friends when I started working, not because they weren't okay with my job, but because I feared that what their thoughts would be and I had no idea how to hide my job. So instead of dealing with it, instead of dealing with a potentially really awkward and awful conversation, I just stopped hanging out with them. And I didn't really actively notice I was doing it until I was isolated. I was with just with sex workers really really frustrated about this still um but i guess things play out the way they do for their own reasons and the reality is family and friends um people you know they'll ostracize you for your career choice and it's it's a terrifying position to be in putting yourself right in the way of judgment like that sometimes i feel like it just feels better to make that choice yourself and then you don't have to deal with people talking about you or the fear of people talking about you and judging you and you know laughing at you and all of those things so I outed myself rather magnificently by doing an article with the Daily Mail who contacted me requesting one (laughs) which was cool I was super excited about it but I was very naive as well (laughs) so my plan was to do it so a few people saw because I had um booked the cover of penthouse magazine or their uh, their magazine black label so i was going to be on the cover of the magazine and my idea was that it would be better for people to find out that i was a sex worker this way with me doing an interview than walking into a service station and seeing my face on a magazine however (laughs) part of the plan worked really well people saw it uh what i didn't expect was it to go viral (laughs) Uh, which, I mean, was obviously a very real risk that I hadn't considered or hadn't considered how I'd handle it at least. So I woke up to inboxes overflowing with people messaging me, pretty much everyone I know questioning me, laughing, yeah, laughing at me and ridiculing me, all of it. Uh, people would tell me all the things that everyone was saying about me. They'd read me the comments. They'd tell me how disgusting it was. I'd never really be able to articulate how sick I felt like at that moment and for weeks, like I I was just started shaking. It would just, I doubted myself so much 
I was so self-assured going into the interview that I had made the right choices with my life, but I questioned everything after that. I withdrew from everything. I was so depressed and having thousands of people just telling you how disgusting you are and how, yeah, ridiculing you. It's just a really awful feeling. (laughs) So it's very hard for people to do and the risks around it are incredibly huge. And not many people want to put themselves in the position where they know that they're going to be faced with that kind of judgment. And and so that's why a lot of people keep it a secret. So on to our last one, um, number 18. And the assumption is that it's like any other business. And it is, yes, from a business sense. (laughs) I think everything I've discussed already shows you there's plenty of aspects to the industry that need to be improved or that are not like any other business. But we simply provide a service. We get paid. We have all the same business risks and considerations, the same liabilities. We need to have the skills. We need to market ourselves. We need to advertise. We need to pay taxes. It is just like any other business in every sense. A customer is the person that pays our bills, really. And so that is our focus, which a lot of people don't take into consideration sometimes. Uh, We're real. We are a legitimate industry. And when more people treat it like such, it's going to be a fucking fabulous day. And it's going to make our lives a lot easier. So thank you so much. There's some of the assumptions that we face in this industry. 